Hello, everybody. Welcome to the last episode of the decade of MGR Unplugged. Um, David and I were kind of wondering, David is here, by the way. Um, Hello. Joining me. Uh, we're trying to decide what to do for this episode. We didn't want to do a very uh, business-heavy episode, so we decided to just go back, since it's also the end of the year and the end of the decade, really. We wanted to go back. And uh, and actually, it was yesterday when I, I was looking at some of the uh, some other article, and I realized that all the things that have happened in the last 10 years, really, since 2010. And it's hard to imagine how much how much these tech innovations that I call have influenced the way we live our lives today. Uh, I'm talking about um, smartphones, iPhones, uh, music streaming services, video streaming services, um, uh, subscription services, no, software, it, everything. It's true. Majority of the day-to-day uh, -day things that people use didn't exist or were in their very infancy I know. Uh, at the beginning of the decade, basically. Yeah, really. I mean, it's, it, and the other thing is that we are so into it right now, into these innovations of these um, tech gadgets and subscriptions and everything that we don't even realize how much we are into them. And when you start thinking about it, it's like, okay, well, how was this before that, like before the system? I realized how much I use my phone when they created the screen time yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's right. You. That's right. That's impressive. And yeah. uh, I'm like, oh, I mean, it's it's hard for me to to discern because I use my phone a lot for work too. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I have weeks where I ha I use my phone like it says like seven hours a day. Uh, yeah, now, I'm down, but but you the, watch a lot of videos. The problem is, I listen to podcasts on YouTube a lot, so that counts as time. So it's not mm. like I'm on my phone. But anyways, I mean point is i spend a lot of time with, and everybody you does do. yeah you know and it's it, like and man it's, i spend that much time on my phone right and then you start making excuses saying oh i didn't have time to do this or that and then your phone tells you yeah because you spent eight hours a day watching the phone somehow or doing something yeah. on the phone and it's like wow then then you realize you could have been doing this or that and then i get that too and i get upset because he says that i've been like two, two hours on social media and usually i don't do social media much for for us or for ourselves i do it mostly for work or researching things so but even that upsets me it's like i don't want to be the one that much on social media i have so many things to read and do and yeah, research for me and the biggest uh, is twitter uh <laughs> i can spend a lot of time on twitter and i have i set daily limits for myself i i cap it at uh 30 minutes a day right so that when i hit that it says hey get off twitter but anyways let me go back and um so so the the first um the first innovation that i really uh when i look back that made me kind of uh think about how fast time goes by is the iphone because i got my first iphone when it was the iphone 4 and the iphone 4 came actually uh came out in 2010 mid-year like june or something and i remember that because i was a hardcore blackberry user as a business guy, I always loved my BlackBerry. I had texts, I have email, emails and everything. I didn't care much about the apps, about all the music and whatever came with the iPhone back then. I could care less. I just wanted my BlackBerry to work and send emails and receive right. emails and all that and stuff. And I remember back then, the biggest thing was, it wasn't just you, it was lots of business people saying, yeah, but for email, BlackBerry's yeah, the it was, best. It was, it became a verb. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was funny that back then it was like, oh, I don't want to use email on my iPhone. And now everybody uses email on their iPhone. But it's like back then it was unthinkable to use your work email on an iPhone. Yeah. And another key aspect for, for me to, to embrace the iPhone was the fact that before, if you remember, the iPhone was just tied up to AT&T as your provider. Right. And a lot of people that were using back then Sprint or Verizon or any other plan just could not use the iPhone. They had to either switch 
providers or stay with our other phones, you know. Um, so the iPhone 4 was the first one that became available with multiple service providers, including Verizon. So I also switched there. My last BlackBerry, I remember, was the BlackBerry Storm. And I that's the one that BlackBerry started looking at the iPhone and then made the full screen with pseudo icons and apps that you had to press, but it was actually a sensitive touch. You actually right. felt the glass pushing. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't the same experience. And then um, you had a camera too to do like little videos and stuff like that. So anyways, I got my iPhone and um, I think it was the 4S actually. I didn't think that I got the first one. I think it was either the 4 or the 4S. But uh, needless to say, after that, I got the iPhone and I figured out how to set up my email with the iPhone, my work email and all that, uh, all the accounts and all that stuff. It's like, wow, what did I do all this time without it? So obviously now... Um, I use and this is I have the ten now, and uh, from there I I, you know, I just became an iPhone user, you know. But that's one of the things that changed the way we we oh, yeah. do a lot of things. My first smartphone was actually, I think it was the first ever Samsung Galaxy, um, like the first one they released, because back then I didn't have any like allegiance to any group, mm -hmm. uh, that and that wasn't as big of a deal. Like now people say, oh, you know, iPhone versus Android, and uh. I just was like, well, the iPhone's expensive, and I get all the same stuff. There's apps and good camera and all that on the Samsung, so why don't I get that one? And I did. And yeah, I mean, the Samsung Galaxy was good, but you know, once I went to the iPhone, I uh, I didn't go back. I've an iPhone ever since. Yeah, no, that that uh, that um um, and the the fact that. I don't know you, I think this is, a, I'm not sure, but the iPhone 4 is also the first one that had the front-facing camera that allowed people to start doing selfies. And that's another thing that changed the way we use the iPhones or the phones today. They were the first one that every phone, most of the phones, even the flip phone stuff, they had this camera where you can take pictures and everything. But when people started taking selfies, the iPhone 4 is the first one that put a front-facing camera. We really, can that's switch funny. it. Yeah. I can't even imagine a phone without a front-facing camera now. I know, I That's know, funny. but that was basically the four, the first one that came with that. So you could actually take your picture and see your on the screen, and that was the selfie. Before you would take pictures and trying to, to guess where you were in That's the frame. Right. That's right. So, so that was another thing that we're talking about: tech innovations that change our lives. I mean, now selfies are like everywhere. I mean, everybody's just it's become a the norm. I mean, some people take more selfies than actual pictures of places. And, and oh, I think that's most people. Yeah, no. well, exactly. I mean, you, a lot of people go to places, and it's incredible. That's another whole discussion. But you see people that go to major travel doc monuments and everything, and all they care is about taking a picture of themselves. Yeah, do it, do it for the gram. <laughs> back to the back to the document, back to the uh, the monument, and then they don't even care about the uh, Grand Canyon or anything. They just take the selfie with the Grand Canyon behind. Yeah. But it's more important That's like for them. restaurants that have food yeah. specifically so you can take pictures of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody does it for the gram these days. If you can't post it on Instagram, did it really happen? That's what people ask. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so let me jump forward to um, 2011 now. And um, Spotify came to the U.S. That was another major. Uh, you remember we had Pandora and all this other. I used to have a subscription to Pandora. Oh, no. I think I had the free version of Pandora or whatever. Right. And uh, and there was all this uh, controversy with Pandora because it was like uh, streaming free videos and stuff, all the lawsuits and everything else. And, uh, and then Spotify came to the U.S. with a slightly different business model. But it was basically music streaming service. And uh, I don't know if they had a subscription model back then. Or they, they started did. later. Oh, well, mm, I think they did. 
But I, I remember I had the free version and I was like, ah, I don't mind some ads. I can deal with the ads. And then once you end up getting the paid version, it's like, oh, I yeah. cannot go back. Right, right. I mean, yeah, you, you get the the ads in the middle and all the stuff and then you kind of get used to it. And then, yeah, I, I did the same thing. I started just saying, you know what? I enjoy this a lot because it, it also expanded into many more artists. They made more agreements. They have new albums. They have all these uh, and then obviously we get to the uh, the podcast and everything later. So it's like, you know what? It's worth it for me to to just pay the subscription. And I think they have it. I, maybe they still have it like this where you couldn't just select a song and play it. If you had the free version, you had to play like the whole album. And no, but just... you couldn't we could, you couldn't do the order, I think. You could only do shuffle play. Or right, one right, of those right. Things. And like, like if you wanted to listen to a specific song, you couldn't just click on it. I think right. it's still like that. I'm not sure. I haven't right. had a free version. Yeah, there were a few restrictions, but I mean, it's okay. Maybe people just, Oops. what do you do? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Oops. Okay, so um, we couldn't, you couldn't do for, just... Um, for those listening, the microphone fell off for a second, so that's what happened. Yeah, well, you need to watch the video because sometimes we don't do outtakes here. We actually do everything live, so don't mess with the microphone. Just leave it alone. Well, it's just a little loose. It's fine. Keep okay, going. it's good. Um, yeah, so anyway, Spotify came to the US. That was 2011. We're now in 2019. And Spotify is becoming a major... Um, music podcasting platform now as we discussed in the previous podcast they they started um uh getting heavy into the podcast platform as well and i think they want to become like a major they want to be the netflix for audio right exactly and uh and they are rapidly becoming that so and i think we were discussing this off mic the other day that as far as um podcast players um that you said that your new favorite is actually spotify and we both agreed because I use one called Overcast, which I think a lot of podcast listeners do too. It's it's pretty good, um, but I think you and I both agreed that, and a lot of people that the uh, the Apple one is yeah. just so bad. I'm I'm very disappointed. I haven't seen any improvement with the Apple Podcast. Probably I iTunes. Think a lot of the changes they've made in the last year, especially to the homepage and discovery, I think it's worse. Yeah, they made the top charts impossible to find now. Yeah, they only promote. You know, this is the gripe as smaller podcasters that we have, which is basically unless you're from some major media outlet that launches a new podcast or you're some type of celebrity, you are, have no discoverability right. on Apple Podcasts. But Spotify and other platforms have better discoverability. And I think that Spotify will become the biggest podcast platform. Yeah, I out think there. so too. I mean, they have more. It's like for Apple, it's like a, like a sideshow. And they have it there. And, and they haven't really improved a whole lot over the last few years. And as I, I actually have like, I don't know, probably a dozen that I listen to randomly. And when I want to go back and search something, it's almost impossible. Yeah, the search function sucks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, really the bad. One thing I did here, and this is funny because I think I told you this and you were shocked, which was up until a couple of years ago or a year ago, Apple's development team for the podcast app was like less than 10 people. Okay, and this is an app that's used by tens of millions and it was like a tiny little team. And now they finally are bringing in more people and supposedly next year they're going to have a lot more features and they're going to expand it i hope so but it's yeah. been a long time coming another event that happened also in 2011 is when netflix um made the, one of the biggest mistakes they made in their existence actually when um if everybody remembers netflix they were fighting heavily with blockbuster video and then they were doing and the mail. red boxes remember red box yeah red box too and they were doing the mailings uh dvds for the for the for the movies were you know com 
fighting against Blockbuster. You had to go to the store and pick up your movie and then return it and all that stuff. So this, they made it much easier. But then they started getting into streaming when streaming was very young still. And uh, so, but which is fine, but what they did is they decided to um, have two different subscriptions for video DVD um, viewers and for streaming video viewers. And uh, not only that, they actually called the uh, streaming video subscription, they came out with the name uh, Quickster, <laughs> which which sounds like a, like a convenience store, uh, yeah. quick stop um, gas station or something. So anyways, people didn't like it. People were used to it. The but DVDs, it was actually too soon back then to, to stream movies on the internet because uh, bandwidth was not really there, uh, speeds and everything else. So people still like the, the fact that they were getting the DVD, return it, everything is paid for. Um, <clears throat> no late fees, nothing. And then... Um, you know, for the few people that wanted to do streaming, then they had to pay a separate subscription and then it was a no name. Bottom line, they lost, I think it was like half a million or 600,000 subscribers or even oh, wow. more, depending on who you ask. And it was the biggest fiasco for them. And so, that's when half a million was a lot to them. Oh, Not like absolutely. now when they have hundreds of I mean, that was millions. a lot of people that yeah. were basically pissed off thinking, okay, well, what, what is going on? How soon here? until they switched it? They, they did it pretty quickly. Okay. I mean, well, I want to see it once they had the first quarter results. Because I'm trying to remember when Netflix really exploded that was probably what like 2014 or so the subscription because i mean i don't know exploded i mean as, I think at least in the u.s there became a point where it's always a funny thing in a company when a company really becomes mainstream where it's almost assumed that people have it like i still remember the first time someone uh this was years ago was like oh just get on amazon and i was like yeah but i have to pay for shipping and i don't know and they were like you don't have prime like yeah. it was like the mm -hmm. first time and that was like i mean that must have been five years ago but the thing is when you look at the shows that that netflix has some of them um you know that are already in the fifth sixth season and you backpedal to 2000 you know 13 14 that's pretty much when Netflix started becoming yeah. more of a, of a, like had an anchor for people to keep their subscription or yeah. upgrade their subscription. And then obviously with uh, 4G for the cable um, modems and everything else, once the, the bandwidth became uh, stronger you know, or faster for download speeds, then people started shifting from DVDs to actual streaming video. That's when it really took off. And but, the uh, other big shift, I think, was around 2014 when they started making a lot of original content. Exactly. Because before they didn't do that. Exactly. And once they did that, it was off to the races for them. Right, right. So so that was a big jump for them. But anyways, I, I, that just shows you that even... Even big and very successful companies, you know, every now and then make a decision but that it's, actually It's funny them. that Netflix is such a big company and is involved in so many people's lives and is just such, it's a part of the zeitgeist now. And uh, really, I mean, five years ago or maybe six, six uh, with basically it, it's been only mainstream for less than a decade. And mm -hmm. it feels like it's been big forever, but no, it's actually been only a few years. Really, it's not that long. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2011, obviously, um, talking about iPhone is also in October is when I, Steve Jobs uh, passed away. So, I mean, it was it was something that was, it was obviously sad news and it was somehow expected. He had been fighting this uh, fight with cancer for a while. He already kind of uh, set himself um, aside from the daily operations 
um, or active role at Apple, and then um, sadly he passed away. So um, a lot of people were afraid that Apple will never be the same and all that stuff. I personally think that Tim Cook has done a fantastic job over the last... Did you read the Tim Cook Yes, I read the biography, yeah. Because in that book, didn't they say that... Steve Jobs was stepping down, but that it was kind of an unspoken thing that he was still going to be running the show from behind the scenes a little bit, not, as far as the product development side. Not really. I mean, I don't. I didn't get that perception. I mean, I think uh, he really trusted uh, Tim Cook. Uh, well, he did and he didn't, because remember Walter Isaacson, who wrote Jobs' biography. Yeah. He said that this is a quote from Tim, or I'm sorry, from Steve Jobs that he didn't put in the book on purpose. Mm -hmm. That he basically said something along the lines of Steve Jobs said, Tim is the best operations guy I've ever met in my life, but he's not a product guy. Something like that. Yeah, he, he did say that. And but so at that's the same why time, I thought that it was kind of like, yeah, he's not going to be running the day-to-day -day jobs, but on the product development, he's still going to be very much involved. He, he, I mean, it was known that he didn't have the the creative genius that Steve Jobs had, but he was more of a practical operations guy, which basically that was the deficiency of Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs, as creative genius as he was, he was not the, the best example of a leadership person for a campaign, for a, for a company as far as management skills and things like that, that were, became very well known after, after the fact or even during his life. But you know, I mean, he was like a cult. People follow him and people have faith in him and those who didn't basically ended up leaving the company. Right, but and the truth is if you were to have one skill or the other, maximum operational efficiency or insane creative vision, the insane creative vision is the more important, you know? Yeah, and, and, and honestly, after, um, you know, uh, nine years later now, I mean, Apple still is thriving and uh, people used to say, oh, it's a one-trick pony, they have the iPhone and then the two, the three, the four, the five, the six and so forth and then the iPads and how much more they're going to have. I mean, they have a lot of innovations coming down and, um, you know, they have the, all the health apps and the wearables and uh, and I think now they have the, the Apple Plus, the, the streaming service. Um, well, the big thing for them, hardware-wise, and this is, I don't want to get into a whole conversation about this, will be, because this is well known that they're developing, is the AR. And right. if they can win the AR glasses, if it ends up being glasses market, then they will be, they will remain one of the top hardware companies for the next decade. Because mm -hmm. really, I think 2020s is when, probably not soon, like in the next couple of years, but we will see AR really taking over. I, I think they have a lot of things that, People may or may not know, or they don't even. Well, I mean, people like, don't. Well, we were talking about self-driving car stuff, and they were saying, "Oh, they may end up buying." Some people say they may end up buying Tesla. Or yeah, something. too late for that now. It's it's not going to happen, obviously. But they but were they saying do that when a, Tesla they, was way smaller. They do have a lot of cash, and and yeah, that helps you. That's why why you think they're spending billions on content. You know, they just exactly they've exactly. got money to throw around. So I never obviously Apple is not a company you want to write off, and then they, they'll have ups and downs, and obviously the the trade war with China and all that stuff is maybe affecting them a little bit because they manufacture, um, they have a lot of uh, plans that they manufacture the iPhones in in China and all that stuff, but. Um, I think I mean, the, the bottom line is right, that the, the investors like Apple. They keep investing in Apple. The, the, the stock prices keep the, going the up. The thing with China that people do overrate is that, yes, of course, you know, if supply lines, supply chains get, in, uh, you know, messed up because of the Chinese trade war, it's going to hurt. 
but it's not going to just hurt Apple, okay? No, Everybody exactly, has their supply exactly. chain. So Everybody's... it's not like it's going to be just Apple. I think that's overblown when people talk about Apple. Plus, right. if any company has the money to uproot their entire supply chain and move it somewhere else, it's Apple. It's going to be other companies well, who are cash-strapped right, exactly. who don't. Yeah, and they can... And they can. I mean, even if they decrease their profit margin by like 10 20%, okay, it's not going to hurt their bottom line that much. I mean, they have... They, they can start manufacturing things locally and still be a very successful company. So bottom line is that people still use, buy a lot of iPhones and buy a lot of iPads and rely a lot of on the, on Apple podcasts and uh, movies and now Apple Plus. We'll see how that works. They have and their own. The go- AirPods, the Apple Watch. Yeah, they yeah. have a lot. You know, it's they not have a lot of stuff thing. going on. So there's no longer a one trick pony like they used to say. I think they have a lot of technology and uh, a lot of things that were coming down the pipe. So I really have a lot of uh, faith in that. But yeah, any, anyways, I think I think uh, Apple with uh, Tim Cook has done really well. Obviously, Steve Jobs was the pioneer, the, the inventor, the genius, and he will always remain that. But I think uh, it's been now nine years, and obviously uh, Tim Cook is deserves the credit too. You know, uh, Who would you say is company of the decade? Would you say it's Apple? I think it's probably between Apple, Amazon, Maybe Netflix? No, I definitely don't think Netflix. I think probably Amazon because Amazon... Facebook? I mean, Facebook, if the last two years of this decade have not been great for them, but the first eight... I don't know if Facebook, because Facebook is also being the controversial company of a decade. I know you weigh everything else. Yeah, but if I you think... look at Facebook, if you put it from a numbers perspective... Yeah, I mean... In 2010, it... Facebook was worth probably, I don't know, 20, 30 oh, yeah, billion. Yeah, as far as valuation, yeah, obviously. And they bought Instagram... They grew massively. They bought WhatsApp. Any of the tech companies, like even Microsoft. Um, yeah, I was uh, going to say Microsoft, so Microsoft is a dark horse. Yeah, exactly. They're old, but they made a lot of big moves this decade, too. Yeah, I mean, Sadia Nadella has also done a great job after, you know, um, um, Steve Ballmer uh, retired and all that. So I think as far as the company of the decade, you, you kind of put everything together. I, I think Amazon, because Amazon used really? to be... I think it's between Apple and Amazon for me. Because yeah. think about how successful Apple's been this decade, too. Yeah, they as have. far as profits, no one's made more money this decade than Apple. They have, but Amazon has also learned how to expand from a company that was famous from Jeff Bezos to say, hey, even if you're investing with us or on us to, or investing in, in Amazon to get like quick profits, you should invest in Amazon because we're more about expanding our growth than basically making immediate profits but now they're making both and then they started with amazon uh web services and and they, they, they keep they get into the grocery store market they're gonna get into pharmaceutical companies they're getting i mean they've grown so much in so many in so many fields and now they're becoming profitable uh very profitable that bezos, i think bezos did win i actually put this in my uh weekly monday newsletter that or tuesday newsletter that uh they, I think it was a poll of Fortune 500 CEOs and CFOs, mm-hmm. and they voted Bezos as CEO of the decade. I, I agree. I had to. And agree. I have to I agree. Mean, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I like Apple, but I think uh, on a global perspective, I think uh, Amazon. I would probably say Amazon is the company of the decade as far as how much they turn things around from saying from almost like what I call the sacrificial years when they were just focusing on growth uh, over profits, and then they became both growth and a profitable company and investors obviously know that so uh, that, that's my take but yeah like i said it's very close with with um, apple as well so anyways we're going down to um 2012 i think my only highlight from uh, 2012 is that uh 
Facebook ended up buying Instagram, I which think, was a smoking deal. Because it's, <laughs> it's hard when you put, like, who's the company of the decade. If you broke it down, who's the company of 2011 through 14, 15? I think it's Facebook. Because this is when Facebook exploded way past a billion users. They bought Instagram. Instagram exploded. Now he's past a billion users. They also bought uh, WhatsApp in 2014, right? So if you kind of break it down into smaller segments, 2011 through 15, basically up into the last few years when Facebook's had their other but, issues. But you also need to, if you consider a company of a decade, you also need to consider the bad things that the company has done. Right, so, I know. On the controversial saying- column, Facebook has been extremely controversial. Like, I'll put it this way. And you get into the Cambridge Analytica, this or that. I mean, Amazon has not had those kind of issues. Let me ask this question then. If we were in 2015, five years ago, halfway through the decade saying, okay, who's most likely to win the company of the decade award? I think you probably say Facebook in 2015 because this is before they had any trouble. This is when Mark Zuckerberg was rumored to be running for president. I mean, this is when yeah, that was, yeah. this is when they were at the top of their game and people loved Facebook, loved Instagram. There was no controversy. I think that Facebook kind of had not that they care about being company of the decade, but it metaphorically had this award in their hands and totally squandered it in the second half of the decade. Isn't it funny that we've been talking about company of the decade and we have Facebook and Apple and Amazon and maybe even Netflix and Microsoft. we haven't even said Google? Yeah, because Google hasn't done anything. I know. Google, I they've mean, done, they've done a lot. It's just nothing. Well, not, not, nothing great. Yeah, they actually had a few failures themselves too. But the uh, only great thing that Google has, and this was in, they bought YouTube in 2007, but YouTube didn't really explode until this decade, was YouTube, in my opinion. Um, I don't yeah, want to get into def- a whole Google argument, but to it me, it wasn't definitely Google Plus. Google, <laughs> Google has had one great product, and that is the search engine that they built twenty plus years ago now, or maybe exactly no, it was exactly twenty years ago, nineteen ninety nine, right? Yeah. And uh, they've been basically riding on the coattails of that ever since, because every other product, yeah, Gmail's good, Chrome is good, but those only make sense because of google.com because they're an engine to drive to google, more data for google.com well i mean they have a lot of things that they've done too i mean some good things and not so good things i mean they, I, I think the google docs and other basically all the the cloud-based documentation services is good i mean but a lot all of, of that is not it. money making no i know it, no, they, they have all of these things that they give for free and rightly so it's part of their strategy i get it but none of those things, they're great products. They're not great businesses. Google Docs is free. Okay, fine. But they're not making yeah. money from it. Google Drive is free. Well, but that, well, we're, not monet, we're not talking about monetizing. I mean, they, well, they, when you say they, a great company, yes, but, a company needs to make money. But they're also money. trying to create their own ecosystem where people are, rely on the company for the daily-to-day business. And a lot of people in, the, in business, including ourselves, use Google documentation or Google Docs um, structure to communicate, to update, and things like that. So, right. So but that creates a dependency where we rely on Google for a day-to-day business like many of our businesses but do. But if Google was... Google only gives all those things free because they make so much money from ads. Right. If they didn't have that ads part... Of course. And you took Gmail and Chrome and Google Docs and Drive and all of that as its own company, it would be the worst performing what company What if they said, ever. we're going to start charging $10 a month for the use well, of Well, that's what Microsoft does. Right. And that's how Microsoft makes money. Microsoft <laughs> says, listen, we don't have some search engine to fund all of our uh, little whims. Uh, if you look at, remember Google X was so f- famous, like, oh, this innovation hub. 
Can you yeah. give me one successful thing that's come out of Google X? Remember Google Loon that came out of there with the air balloon? They yeah, canceled yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Waymo, they've sunk tens of billions of dollars. They still don't have a self-driving car. Google Plus was just basically gathering data. And there's then a, they shut it there's down. a website that is, I forget exactly the name. Googlefailures.com? Yes, it's basically, <laughs> something like it's yeah. something along those lines. I know, I saw that too, yeah. And it just catalogs all of the failed products by but Google. But at the same time, they put their, some, themselves out there to... Yes, to, you have to take you know, risk. Yeah, exactly. But also, like Google Stadia that they released recently, uh -huh. you know about that? I this is the biggest strategic failure I've seen from a company in so long. Because Google Stadia, for those who don't know, is basically they they use what's called virtual computing, which is a technology that's been around for a while, but now we finally have the cloud computing power to do it. So basically, just like you can store files in the cloud, now they're allowing you to run applications in the cloud. So you don't have to have the application running on your computer using your CPU or GPU. So the first thing they do is to go after hardcore gamers who have the highest expectations of brilliant graphics, brilliant game engines, which if you know, gaming takes the biggest toll on any computer. Right, right. And you need a supercomputer. So why start with the hardest possible thing? Why not just say, hey, you can have a $200 laptop and get $1,000 laptop performance because then you can run easily Drive, Google, Docs, any of those things virtually. But they didn't do that. They said, let's go after hardcore gamers. Mm -hmm. I don't know what, and everyone's sh like shitting on it, saying it's a failure. But it's not. It's actually pretty impressive. But because it's a little worse than what would you have if you have a desktop computer versus virtually, mm -hmm. they're saying it's not as good because you're going after the pickiest it's a people. Yeah, it's a it's like problem. going to a food critic who re reviews Michelin star restaurants uh, when your first dish. Okay, that's probably not the guy you want to go to the first time. And right. I, it was a complete strategic error. And things like that is what Google does over and over and over again. Yeah. That's why Google is not the company of the decade when they probably should have been. Well, they're still profitable. So that's Yes, probably, of course. Um, <laughs> but my whole argument was just they have this legacy business that does amazingly well and funds all of their other failures. And they yeah. really haven't had anything new. 90 plus percent of their revenue still comes from ads. Right. Well, they also sell... Android for and so forth. Yeah, but they don't stuff. make money on those. They don't make a whole lot, but they, they make more money outside of the US. Obviously, in the US, Apple dominates, but if Europe and other stuff, there's a lot of Android and the rest of the world, to be honest. But uh, anyway, so 2012, we also have Facebook by Instagram, which uh, we'll get probably more into that. Um, it was a smoking deal, by the way, when they bought it. Um, so that was good. And then another thing is that Oculus Rift, talking about um, VR in this case, uh, was just a uh, promoted or launched on a Kickstarter from all places, trying to get, you know. So now in 2013, that's something that we went through Adobe, our favorite company, design, everybody that uses yeah, yeah. Acrobat, wanted... Photoshop, Illustrator, anything, any design agency uses Adobe products every day, multiple times. Now there's more competition, but really from 1995 to 2015, it was a 20-year span of basically you used Adobe and that's it. Now you have Sketch and Figma and other other software out there. Even Canva is growing a lot for people who don't need some insane graphics. They just need quick stuff. So there's more competition now, which is good. You don't want to just have the Adobe monopoly. But yeah, for 20 years, it was just Adobe, basically. Right. And it still is. I mean, I still use Adobe. And, and obviously, it was pricey software, 
but it but depends it was on the best. it was worth it for sure especially you make a business out of that so so for agencies buying the latest version of adobe was a must basically it wasn't even a question i'm going to skip this version no like the last version i think was cs6 i just photoshop cost like 700 dollars for the license yeah which you had I a limited use because I, I saved up and bought the license for CS5, which was like you know the whole suite, which was very expensive. Yeah, and I, uh, then like I don't know a year later, they say, Hey, we're done with that, we're gonna get you on a monthly subscription now, right? So, so they had that, but one of the problems they had is that just as they were launching new versions of the software, they were being uh you know like fake copies or oh, yeah. licenses pirating was a pirating big was the biggest issue for them so everybody and their mother had a copy of photoshop that they had not paid for and then adobe obviously took note and, and a lot it of was companies, a lot of unpredictable companies. revenue because right. to get someone to upgrade because i remember when cs6 came out a lot of people were still using cs3 cs4 and saying eh, i don't really need cs6 you know maybe there's some nice bells and whistles but i don't need to spend the thousand dollars to upgrade now they don't have versions you just pay it's the news it's the it's, a, it's a rental you rent the software right and uh, so why i wanted this included was adobe was probably the last major standout where you still bought software now no new software company when was the last time you bought software well I mean, not for you major rem- office pass i mean uh, with microsoft office doing but the you same still thing. pay a subscription yes like is there any software company and especially if a startup I, today I mean, there's, there's some that still offer either or option um, that you can buy or you can subscribe if you want the cloud service is a subscription or you want your hard copy. Yeah, I guess. Uh, like a one user only is, is only for you. You can still get that in certain things. But for most of the uh, office products, like even design, Adobe, Microsoft, and everything, you definitely have a subscription. Right. But uh, my, and my point is any new startup today that does software products is all software as a service. Right. There is no just buy the software. It's all, here's our software. It's 50 bucks a month forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of reasons for that. One is revenue predictability. Another is in the rise of venture capital. When you're looking for exits, a company with basically, if you have two identical companies and one does a hundred million dollars a year in recurring revenue and another does a hundred million a year in non-recurring, just to have to get that revenue every year. The recurring revenue company is going to sell for a much higher obviously, multiple. Obviously, and yeah. that's why everybody switch because the hundred million dollar company is worth with recurring is worth easily a billion the non-recurring could be worth 300 million well adobe actually made more money as much as people didn't like the subscription services i love it now i was very against it but now everybody nobody likes it's, it's human nature nobody likes change right but then when you realize that my software is always updated i always have the latest version and then i'm used to paying this money and in reality they just avoided people that were basically pirating the software. So, so Adobe as a company is doing much better now, and they they never look back. I mean, they just oh, yeah. basically, and, and that's the trend, like you said. So, all right. So we uh, finally also, without getting into political controversy, 2013 is the year that Edward Snowden um, basically revealed of the NSA's um, Prism program or project, basically about invading privacy and other stuff and. Obviously, the rest is history. Uh, there's been a couple of podcasts with him lately. You can go to uh, Joe Rogan. I think uh, Kara Swisher also uh, had a podcast with him. Uh, he came out with a new book, by the way. That's the reason for the podcast. He was promoting his book where he tells his side of the story. So if you're interested in that topic, I think uh, that both of the podcasts were very interesting. And uh, he's obviously in Russia still. So uh, anyways, that was 
when it happened, which also tells me that time goes by fast. Because I know. It was like, when you told me when we were preparing that I was 2013, I was like, wow. That, that was six was like, years ago. Yeah, I know. Six I years ago. feel that long it's ago. Crazy. Yeah. So anyways, 2014 started uh, pretty early, talking about Facebook acquisition and everything. Um, started with um, Facebook buying WhatsApp, uh, the largest messaging service. Um, I, mean, in, I still remember when people said it was the worst mistake Facebook ever made. And one thing that is funny is like, this is very Google-esque, that Facebook still doesn't make any money off of uh, WhatsApp. Yeah, they haven't monetized It's been much. five they're, years. They're little by little trying to put more of, a lot of people didn't even know that WhatsApp now was owned by Facebook, especially people like... Uh, nowadays, but I think it took a couple of years for people to realize well, that. Well, now that's when they, they even started using, what is it, by, by Facebook yeah, or something? Facebook they put a little now. signature, the little... Uh, um, watermark or something, but WhatsApp is majorly used pretty much everywhere outside yeah. of the U.S. Everybody uh, that I need people. to talk to in Europe, yeah, uh, I I use WhatsApp. In right. the U.S., it's not as big because I we have iMessage, right? Um, but yeah, anybody I talk to in Europe or Asia, mm -hmm. it's WhatsApp. It's always WhatsApp. Yeah. In fact, they give you their WhatsApp address much before they even give you anything else. So. Uh, anyways, Facebook owns it now. Now, so they they have a lot of consumer data when you consider Instagram, Facebook but itself. They do WhatsApp. not read messages. That is true. Right, it's, it's encrypted. Fully encrypted. Yeah, WhatsApp is very very thorough about telling you that messages are encrypted and all that stuff, so they can really. So we, we have to trust that. So, anyways, that happened in February. Uh, in March, talking about Amazon for the first time, Amazon started raising their their Prime um, subscription price. Most, one of the most you talk about why is Jeff Bezos the CEO of the decade? Yeah, because that was one of the most brilliant business moves of the decade. Right, he made everybody pay a hundred plus dollars a year for something, and then they think they get free shipping, but really, you're not getting free shipping, you're just paying for the shipping in advance, but people don't think about it that way, yeah. and that's one of the most brilliant things you you're can ever You're basically giving Amazon money that they can invest or do whatever they want, and then, um, you know, you use the shipping, like, I use a lot of the shipping, so obviously, if I, I get my money's worth, but yeah, I'm paying in advance for it, but it also includes movies and everything. Yeah, so then it did As far as the value that you get for your money, if you are, yeah, if you watch course. movies and all that stuff, it's, I mean, it's a great deal. More, they, this year, I reported earlier this year, they passed a critical threshold, which is now more than half of all U.S. households, I think 52% have Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. So basically, half of America now has a subscription is paying yeah. Amazon that's that's ten bucks a month. What, that's why, like you said, is that's why I was kind of thinking that Amazon, as yeah. far as making smart moves at the right time, they they are one of the top companies. And also later that year is when um, they launched the first Echo, the first um, smart speaker, if you will. Mm -hmm. I want to say the name because we have one right there. I think, yeah. So, uh, but anyways, that happened in November. We don't want to activate everybody who's listening to if they're yeah, playing on that's the speaker. Right. Uh, all right, so we'll go to 2015, and um, we have some news that are that it wasn't really a, like a big year for the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Amazons and all that stuff. However, SpaceX, I don't know, a company that we like, we like uh, Elon Musk. 2015 was the last year that Facebook was seen in a positive light because then yeah, 2016 right. with the yeah. election and everything that happened after that was when it all went downhill for Facebook. But in December of 2015, SpaceX lands the first rocket. So they actually were recycling rockets. And they most and recently, like last week, <clears throat> yeah, landed yeah. their 40-something rocket. So they went from, that tells you 
to the insane progress. You can say a lot of things about Elon Musk, but you can't say that he doesn't get things done, especially when people say that it's impossible, you can't do that, and he did it, and now mm -hmm. he's done it 40-plus times, and nobody else is landing rockets still. Even NASA doesn't land rockets. Well, I mean, um, Bezos speaking I know Bezos is Blue doing Origin it. has done it too, but they, they, they have a much um, smaller rocket, yeah. and um, the, the range is different. But, yeah, they're both kind of competing with that. They have different strategies too. Different strategies, like, correct. The thing that I think is really interesting is obviously Elon really wants to get to Mars, and that's the whole thing. Like, yeah. we're going to build a colony on Mars. Bezos... And I actually, in this case, agree a little more with Bezos, where he says, why do we need to go to another planet? He says, we can just build a space station that's habitable, like a mega Death Star type, not, right. not the death part, but like a mega space station that people can live on. Why do we need yeah, another like a space planet? station. I mean, that we have yeah. space stations that are for exploration, but we, have a, we can have a space right. station that is like a satellite but a mini city. That yeah. we can build and people It's like a, almost like a, um, like a cruise ship. That you could basically have a whole life when you're, you know, pools and this and that and everything else and have like a thousand people there, but in space. So and that's, that's another his strategy, which I think is the, the, my favorite strategy of uh, climate change as far as creativity is he says, well, I think what we can do is just build all of our factories in space and some of them on the moon and move all of our manufacturing to space so that there's no pollution on Earth. And that's yeah. his solution. And I said... It's definitely creative. I don't think anybody yeah. else is thinking, oh, that is a solution. So in 2016, obviously, they were, we're in a political um, pre-election year. 2020 will be election year again, which means that four years ago, 2016, is when Donald Trump was elected president. 2016, also the best sports year of the decade, in what my happened? opinion. Uh, you had the Warriors go 73-9, and nine, only to lose to the Cavs in the finals when they came back 3-1. Uh, that was the year the Cubs won the World Series after their whatever, 100-plus yeah. year drought. So I think that was the best sports year of the decade, too. I was, uh, I, I listened to uh, Bill Simmons, if anybody listens to him, and he was recapping the uh, 2016 finals. Okay. And uh, I've gone back and rewatched, and if you're a basketball fan, I think you know that that was like, the game seven of the finals that year was the best basketball game I've probably seen in my life and definitely the best game of the decade. Mm -hmm. Remember, I still remember when Kyrie Irving oh, hit yeah, the three yeah, over yeah. Steph Curry, yeah. put the Cavs up on the road game seven. They won LeBron crying at the end. So yeah, yeah. that was definitely the sports moment of the decade. But we'll get back to uh, All right. tech. So, so uh, 2017, um, when uh, after Trump was elected, was when Facebook started having issues with yes. the uh, Cambridge Analytical. This is when it all started falling down. Scandal. Yeah, all of a sudden they had to admit that, hmm, yeah, maybe we kind of rigged the elections a little bit. Whatever they were rigged in, like the, whatever that was effective or not is up for interpretation, but uh, it, it is a fact that it happened. And as a result of that, there's been major changes to advertising policies, not just on Facebook, but basically on Google and every other advertising platform, something that we go through on a, on a daily basis. Unfortunately, they're tightening their uh, requirements and policies quite a bit since then. So that happened in 2017. Also, Amazon... 16. No, I mean, Lytical was Oh, okay. 17. Well, yeah, I mean, this election obviously the election was in November. Was in 16, was right. in, in March is when the scandal was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Obviously, the, 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 the whole election advertising happened in 16. Um, and then in 2017 also is when Amazon started branching out into one more vertical, buying Whole Foods um, rest, um, yeah. uh, supermarkets. So trying to get into the... Uh, Whole Foods is more like still, I'm a little disappointed on that front. They have not done a lot with Whole Foods. 
Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, they're actually launching their own grocery store brand that's separate because the problem with Whole Foods not a problem. It's a, a it's a good and a bad. But people associate Whole Foods with very premium and expensive, which is good because they make good profit uh, with the customers they do have. But it's hard for them to acquire new customers because a lot of people say, ah, you know, the classic Whole Foods nickname, Whole Paycheck. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's like it's hard to break that stigma. Yeah. Um. So now Amazon is, I think, kind of decided, okay, we're gonna leave Whole Foods alone and we're gonna launch our own Amazon Go grocery stores. Right. That, that's why I was kind of uh, confused because I thought the Amazon Go was going to be part of the Whole Foods. That's, I think, was the original plan. I think the original plan was to convert Whole Foods into this, uh, like, fully automated grocery chain. Right. But then I think they decided a change in strategy on that. Now, Whole Foods, they are still testing the, I mean, I think in 10 years, every grocery store will be automated anyways. Um, but I think that Amazon is focusing more on like convenience stores and smaller grocery stores mm -hmm. rather than making all of the Whole Foods. Yeah, more of the packaged food too, because it's, it's right. difficult for Fresh the, food is the a little the harder. Amazon Gold, yeah, or to get fresh food and groceries and things like that. Like it's a little more difficult to pack that part of things. So, um, all right, so 2018 was, um, it's just two years ago, actually last year. Um, I don't think there was a, a major news there other than, uh, you know, Elon Musk is when he, <laughs> he started getting in trouble with the SEC for saying that Tesla was going to go private. And then, yeah, I think he said, no, no, it's not going to go private. And then he started getting into, uh, um, the SEC started looking into him and then he had to, uh, he eventually he, uh, Funding secured. Right, right. So he um, did he uh, step aside as CEO and no, he's still, he's still CEO, CEO he's not but chairman. He's right, yeah. exactly. So, anyways, that was just he went uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast and smoked weed. Remember, right, that was yeah. a big uh, controversy. Right, uh, stupidly so, but whatever. Um, I'm trying to think, what major things? I mean, 2018 was definitely the year we were talking about Facebook when you know, Zuckerberg and basically all these guys had to start going to Congress and talk to them. Even Sheryl oh, yeah. Sandberg, who has been kind of a darling of the she tech just had, space. She just, she had just written the book Lean In and it was yeah. like a leadership book for all women and all that. And then all of a sudden she became her own scandal for uh, her own thoughts. And, and so, yeah, it was, that was something that uh, was a little black eye for a lot of um big tech companies, especially the Facebooks and the social media started, social media in general, I think it started being more um, scrutinized by people, oh, like yeah. creating this dependency and, and also- I think it's gone too far the other way. Yeah, like they're now being blamed for- For everything. Psychological and issues and like, all that stuff. And it's like, okay, people at the end of the day have the choice of just exactly. shutting it down. I know? think it's too much of this like, victimizing social media users it's like okay like i'm a normal person sometimes i realize oh i'm using it too much let me put this down right and focus okay it's, it's not like that, that hard people make their own choices it's like it's no different than tv oh people are glued to the tv watching too much tv okay well turn it off i think how so hard is that i think the argument can be made that for younger people like kids that <laughs> um parents should be more vigilant of their social media use just because when you're younger you have less self-discipline and self-control but like adults who say that they're addicted to social media, it's like, okay, well, yeah, you just, just need to grow up then. I mean, yeah. I, 
I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, so 2019, this is this year. We, we already discussed the Spotify getting into podcasting as becoming a big... Uh, Disney Plus. This is 2019 is the year that everybody gets into streaming. Right, right. We have Disney Plus. Disney we have Plus, Apple Plus. CBS. The Plus thing. Extra Access, like, whatever it's called. Yeah. Apple Plus. Everybody. Yeah. HBO Pro Max. Whatever. Too much. And, too uh, and that just recently, um, we're talking about Google, um, both founders... Larry Page and Sergey yep. Brin um, basically leave Google for LFX. They step aside. I was surprised that it was so quiet when it happened. It's like it, the two major founders decide to step aside, and then it's like, oh, by the way, like like it wasn't major things. I mean, if Zuckerberg decides to step aside, that would have been like a huge news. Now, one thing I just realized we didn't talk about this decade that was another big uh, thing was the ride sharing, Uber, Lyft, all these guys. Yeah, that was basically. That was all this decade. That was, it's funny. If you haven't read the book, Super Pumped, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it was on our top three books of the year that came out. It's basically all about the rise of Uber and the fall of Travis Kalanick. But it's funny how a company like Uber, in such a short period of time, can go from rising, very similar to Facebook, in that they, they rose up, became super, super popular. Everybody loved Uber. I mean, there was a time when Uber was like this beloved company. Well, it became and also... And then all of a sudden, within like a six month span scandal after scandal came out about Travis and other company culture stuff. And they started falling in reputation. You know, it's funny right. how that happens. So but not fast. only that, they became like a model, like everybody invented the Uber of something. Like yeah. a lot of companies, became, the sharing economy, the share economy. Exactly. They started saying, Oh, the Uber of um, massage or the Uber of uh, this or the Uber of that. Something so that we've been very close to is on the hotel side, mm -hmm. the hospitality side, the airbnb -ification of hotels now right. i mean we work with a lot of hospitality clients and airbnb is top of mind for everyone because mm -hmm. like, it's not just airbnb anymore now marriott is doing it hilton is doing everybody is airbnb getting into is it. getting into the hotel industry right hotel industry is getting into the share economy right uh, industry and then Airbnb is also expanding into experiences and uh, shared groups and all kinds of things. So really the uh, the travel industry is going through a major uh, transformation too. So that's, that's going to be interesting. So that pretty much wraps up the decade as far as, um, you know, I mean, obviously many more things have happened, but I think we, we've gone through a few um, other ones that at this point were with the, you know, we started with the iPhone 4 uh, 10 years ago. Now we have the, uh, what is it, the 11 that is now, or what would they call the new one? The 11 and 11 Pro 11 Max. 11 Pro Max and Plus and something. So uh, we obviously not going to discuss every single iPhone or anything. What's your, what's your one prediction for the next decade? I, I'm, I'm curious about, honestly, what's going to happen with the um, electric cars and self-driving cars in general. There's a lot of legislation already, even in European countries. I think electric cars are going to keep on their steady path. Right, right. That's that's where I'm coming from. We'll because in, in European countries, they've already made legislation basically saying that they're going to stop developing combustion engine, internal combustion engine cars, basically traditional car, gasoline cars or fossil fuel cars, and then developing only electrical vehicles just because they are clean for the environment. So that is already in place starting at different different times in the future, like 2025, 2026, depending on the country. Um, but from there to the self-driving, that's a big legislation and, and update and adaptation that 
cities and, and highways and everything need to do. So whether that happens with all cars... Or I think start it with, will happen this decade. I just don't know I if don't it'll know. happen early in the decade. That's the part that I'm more curious about because there's a lot of ramifications for making self-driving vehicles, especially when it comes to sharing the road with the non-self-driving vehicles. I think that's the biggest conflict that I see. You have a section or roads or highways where it's only self-driving cars and they're all controlled by their own algorithms and everything else and they all know where each other is and all the stuff. I'm all totally fine with that. But I think when you start combining the self-driving vehicles with human-driven vehicles and then you get into a lot of uh, potential issues, you know, not just for the vehicles themselves, but insurances and liabilities and everything else. And I think that's going to take a while to, to yeah, regulate. Yeah, but I think we'll figure all that out. I'm not saying it'll happen. Like, I don't think Elon Musk is right when he said that next year or no, 2021, it'll be done. No, but I think probably 2025-ish, maybe Well, that's what I think. That that's, <clears throat> to me, that's the most um, curious thing that I have for the next decade. I mean, all the other stuff like tech, yeah, I, I mean, I expect... My biggest prediction for the next decade is I think that we will see a decentralization of social media. And what I mean by that is there will be many more social networks. It will be much more fragmented. I think that instead of just having like a big three or four social networks that everybody uses, uh, and I think we're starting to see that a little bit with TikTok emerging this year, um, and there's a lot of smaller ones that have emerged. Even Twitter, I'm not sure, this kind of went under the radar a couple weeks ago. Jack uh, Dorsey announced that Twitter is uh, creating a um, blockchain-based Twitter which is basically open source everything. So everybody, if you want to make your own Twitter clone, but specifically for something else, you can do that now. Like by sector, by like a, kind of like a Facebook group type thing? That just but for it's, certain... Basically, you can do whatever you want. Twitter is open sourcing. <clears throat> so you can take the Twitter client and the code and everything and just repurpose it for your own sake. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that there will be like... 10 years from now, the next decade, I think we could have 20 major social media platforms instead of three or four. That's my biggest prediction. And I think that that's something that not a lot of people are anticipating, but I think will happen. At some point, I think that's going to be a saturation of social media. People only have so much time to be on social media. So I, like we said in the beginning, when you realize how much time you're on the screen and sharing this and that, it's just like, okay, well, I... I like I, I, you know, for, with Instagram and all that stuff, it was the same thing. You start taking pictures and sharing this and sharing that. It's like, you know what? I, I'd rather just enjoy my life than worrying about putting something so other people know how I'm enjoying my life. You know, it's like, it's like you only had 24 hours in the day and you want to do so much stuff. And then I, I, I'm not much of a Twitter user. You are more. I don't even use Facebook at all. Um, I'm more Instagram, but even that is like, randomly you know when i have I something think where we'll see the most innovation is in um and we're already seeing a little bit like that that bigger companies even facebook has talked about which is the kind of quote-unquote private social networks the more like there's going to be i think you'll have a separation between a, I don't know what exactly we'll call it, but the broad social network where it's just everybody, anybody who wants to follow you and then the closer group. But that's what I like about WhatsApp because you can create a group with WhatsApp. Right. And, and I'm, then I'm saying that there will be, I think group chats are a uh, band-aid shortcut that people have made right, because they because want that. that. And I think that there will be social networks made around a group chat, but instead of just being like messaging, it'll be a whole social network just for a small group of people. Right, right. Because with a group chat with WhatsApp, you can 
basically upload images, uh, movies, whatever, just share things. And then with a group of people that you are your friends that you hang out with and all that, and you don't need to let the rest of the world with privacy and all that stuff. You basically chat with 10 people and then they reply whenever they can. They could be different places of the world and everybody knows what's going on, which is what I care about. Just friends, family, you know, the rest of the people that paint a picture of me here and there. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of a little more um, critical now of how I spend the time on social media, especially when I, you know, I don't like to complain about not having enough time to do things. If then I find myself, like I said, with two hours a day of uh, screen time on social media, whatever, you know. So I, um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think uh, everything has like a peak and then it starts kind of... Uh, consolidation phase and contraction phase and I think social media will probably get into that but or maybe it starts like you said like dividing yourself into different uh, mini groups so that's my major prediction for the decade I can't wait we're gonna take this clip dude <laughs> leave the microphone oh alone God, I didn't it's just loose yeah because you keep filling with it okay take this clip in five years or whenever, when there's a bunch of social media networks, and I'm going to say I said this in 2019. That's my prediction. Will be. All right, David, thank you for joining me today and joining the podcast for uh, throughout the year. We'll continue. This is, like I said, the last uh, podcast of the decade. We'll make sure we fix your mic by then if you start uh, stop See, touching it. For anybody watching, if it goes like this, it just falls out. Okay, well, don't touch it. You know, everything. Well, I can't help Okay, it. anyways, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for um, joining us today. Um, happy ending of 2019, and uh, we'll be back in 2020 with more interesting podcasts. And uh, in the meantime, happy holidays and a very, very great new year to everybody. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.